Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. I know that, you know, the storyline I'm probably bearing uh, is uh, is St. Peter's. Of course, uh, that 15 seed upsetting number two, Kentucky. And then, uh, and then took down Murray State, a team that I was high on heading into the tournament. Uh, and now uh, Providence, of course, uh, beats Texas. So now that's their next goal, their next team, that the Cinderella story, could it continue? Another chapter in their book, we'll see. But again, uh, I know it was pretty late. I stayed up. Hopefully you did because it has to be one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best college basketball games I've seen in quite a while with uh, Memphis coming out, playing great basketball the first half. Gonzaga goes into the half and comes out. It's kind of like, I feel like they switched, they, they, they like had a switch, and they just, you, you saw why Gonzaga is the number one overall seed in this tournament, uh, because the Bulldogs were just unstoppable. They were relentless. Um, Drew Timmy was just unbelievable. And um, and it, it's they were night and day uh, from one game that we saw in the first half to, of course, the second. So where do we stand right now? Uh, the next matchup for Gonzaga is Arkansas as uh, they beat New Mexico State. A little surprising to me. I actually I had Vermont upsetting Arkansas, so I didn't have them advancing this far in the tournament. Um, I did have New Mexico State beating UConn. So. I still think, I think Gonzaga, again, I think a lot of people, majority of brackets have Gonzaga coming out of the West and actually winning the tournament, winning the championship, so there's no surprise there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to, to see what happens. You've got Michigan State going up against Duke today. Duke is favored by six and a half. Michigan State, uh, and the over-under is 144 and a half. I like Duke here. I'll lay the points with Duke just because, Again, I think Michigan State is is on borrowed time. I expected them to lose to Davidson. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but uh, this Duke team is just too good. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm probably one of the the most. Uh... This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The one matchup I'm looking most forward to is Duke going up against Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. So I, maybe there's a part of my heart that's just uh, this obviously wanting Duke to win and, and advance, but I'm willing to lay the six and a half against Michigan State. Michigan State, they've got a number of guards that are injured, so they don't have their, their full arsenal of, uh, of guys that they need to contend with. And keep in mind, this is Coach K's last go-around. I would at least like to see him get to the Sweet 16. We'll see if he can beat Texas Tech and get, and I'm assuming Texas Tech, of course, beats Notre Dame, which, by the way, 
Uh, I am going to lay the eight with Texas Tech. They've got the number one defense in the country. And uh, Notre Dame, keep in mind, was a play-in team. They had to beat uh, Rutgers to get in. And, of course, they defeated Alabama. How much longer can that run last? I don't think much. And the fact that I don't have to lay double digits for Texas Tech to win. So I'm all over Texas Tech. So that's how I see the West rounding out in looking at the bracket right now. So Texas Tech uh, beating Notre Dame. I'll lay the eight today. Uh, Duke beating Michigan State, and I'll lay the six and a half today. And then I've got Texas Tech advancing to take on Gonzaga in the Elite Eight and Gonzaga representing in the Final Four. In regard to the East, well, that bracket, that that, that region is uh, a lot more clear for us. Is it not UNC pulling the big upset over Baylor? And now they've got a great matchup against UCLA. Cannot wait for that matchup. I love UCLA. I thought Baylor was going to beat UNC, so my anticipation here was UCLA against Baylor, UCLA advancing. I've got UCLA coming out of the East in my Final Four, losing to Gonzaga for Gonzaga to go to the championship. Uh, But I don't think very few people, I would imagine, were expecting what was going to happen at the the bottom of this this region, and that is Providence um, beating... First of all, I had Virginia Tech beating Texas. Obviously, that's not what happened. Purdue, uh, Purdue beat Yale, and then of course. Uh, so I'm sorry. I'm looking at I'm looking at St. Peter's. So St. Peter's beating Kentucky, advancing, and so now you've got Purdue. You've got Purdue going up against St. Peter's in that bottom portion, right? Is it Purdue? By the way, we've got Ty and uh, and Will producing the show today. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hey. How are you guys doing? Doing good well. morning. How good morning. You? How you guys? I'm great. I'm great. I'm just. I'm looking at this. So t- that's right. Texas and Purdue haven't played yet. Yeah. That so we're waiting today. for the winner. Right. So we're waiting for the winner of Texas Purdue. I'm staying away from that game. I know Purdue is favored by three and a half. The over under is at one thirty four and a half. So I'm staying away from that. Again, the, the big storyline here is St. Peter's advancing. That is the Cinderella story this year in the tournament, which is really unbelievable. Did you did you watch that game against Murray State last night? Oh, absolutely. That was it was a, it was a great game, and um, St. Peter's. I, I get like the, the win over Kentucky. It's the most impressive because it's a 15 beating a two seed, and you know the the, the program that Kentucky is, you know, with uh, Calipari. I, I understand that's going to be the most impressive uh, thing that's happened so far. But watching that game last night, they just looked like the better team. They just, you know, from the, from the tip off, they just looked like the better team. I was I was talking to somebody and I I forgot where I was I was I was somewhere I was at a restaurant I was somewhere and somebody was telling me that they had uh, they had taken a trip to go see St. Peter's play a few weeks ago, like maybe two or three weeks before the tournament, and they went to see them play live. And they said they knew some. It was somebody, I was somewhere, maybe I was at a bar, a restaurant, I, I can't remember, unfortunately, and having a conversation about, um, oh, you know what? I was at the dog park. I was at the dog park, and I was having a conversation uh, with somebody who was telling me that, uh, that they had St. Peter's upsetting Kentucky. And I was like, come on, seriously? Um, keep in mind out of all the, all the brackets and there was, I don't know what the final count was, but like a ton of brackets that were submitted, uh, at, at ESPN, I want to say 146 at the end of the first round were accurate. So again, I I mean, I, was it at least a million? What, how many brackets, something like it was like a ton of brackets that were submitted into the ESPN 
NCAA bracket tournament. And out of all of those, only 146. So think about that percentage. And uh, so I'm at the dog park and, and the gentleman said uh, he had gone to see St. Peter's play a few weeks ago and there was something special. There was something uh, about them, watching them live, watching them play, um, how efficient they were, how good they were defensively, offensively, both sides of the court. And so he picked St. Peter's to upset Kentucky. Again, not very many people did that. So Anita, what's um, funny about that whole thing is that no disrespect to St. Peter's, but they were not even favored to win the MAC. Everybody had Iona at the top, and the minute Iona loses to Ryder, it becomes St. Peter's uh, conference championship to lose. And I'm I'm not saying that they would have you know beaten or lost to Iona, but I don't think Iona could have had this run St. Peter's is having, and it just makes really good sports headlines like we're talking about today. And last year, Oral Roberts, same situation, number 15 seed, and went all the way to the Sweet 16. So, um, sports is not scripted, but at times like this, it seems like it could be. So, well, I mean, it just it's you know, it's just it, it makes it so great, right? Like that's what. And again, football's to me football's king. But to me, March Madness is the second best event in all of professional sport. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It, it just, I mean, again, and, and I'm assuming you guys stayed up and you, and you watched that Gonzaga-Memphis game. Um, I, I, was on the, I was on the edge of my, my couch. And, and I think like many people, because majority of the country have Gonzaga winning the championship. Like maybe you zigged when most people zagged. I don't know. Uh, maybe you have Arizona. Maybe you have Kansas. Maybe you have Houston. You're still alive. I don't know. Maybe you have UCLA. Who knows? But the majority of the, the country have Gonzaga winning this, and Memphis uh, really took them to the limit and like didn't give up. It was like, especially that sec that second half have to has to be some of the best basketball I've seen in in college and NBA in quite a while. It was punch for punch. It was. It really, I mean, it was just, it was such, it was, it was theater. It was such good basketball. And, uh, and of course, Gonzaga, they did beat Memphis 82 to 78. Now they got to regroup and get ready for Arkansas, who's making a good run as well. So, um, so again, Texas and Purdue are going to be playing later on today. In regard to Providence, Providence beat Richmond yesterday. So now we know that matchup, uh, Kansas and Providence. Uh, but there are a number of other games today that I'm looking at that I really like. I was really impressed with UM beating uh, USC. UM is getting seven and a half against Auburn. I just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sold on this Auburn team. And I know UM plays with a ton of guards. They don't have a lot of height. But I do believe either they're going to upset Auburn or they're going to keep it close. So give me University of Miami with the points at seven and a half. Probably my favorite play today, again, is, is Texas Tech only lane eight against Notre Dame. And then um, you also have uh, you have Iowa State going up against Wisconsin, and you've got Arizona going up against TCU. TCU looking good against Seton Hall. So you know what? I'll take C TCU. I'll take the Frogs with the ten points. The over unders at one thirty four and a half, and uh, and also you've got uh, you've got Houston going up against Illinois as well. 
I'm staying away from that matchup. But some good basketball to be had today. It all kicks off this afternoon and um, leading into, of course, this evening. Then we have a few days off and then can't wait for the Sweet 16 to kick off as well. So that's your March Madness. And uh, excited for the show today. We've got a jam-packed show, booked a lot of guests on the show. Uh, We're going to touch on a little bit of everything. We've got Connor Rogers who covers the NFL for Bleacher Report, uh, keeps his his eye closely on, of course, the Jets and the Giants. We had Rich Samini on yesterday giving an update in regard to how the the Jets did uh, in regard to free agency and what we can expect for them. Going to do the same thing with Connor Rogers pertaining to the Giants. You know, how the Giants fared in free agency, considering salary cap-wise, they didn't have a lot to work with. I actually think they'd done quite well. There was a lot of holes that the Giants needed to fill, and this is what teams want to do, right? You want to fill the holes that you don't go into free agency. You don't go into the draft uh, with needs, right? You always want to take best player on the board. Sometimes you can't do that because you don't have a lot of depth or you're missing certain positions, and, and the Giants are. And we know the Giants, uh, you know, they always like to draft best, best player on the board. I think a lot of teams like to do that. But do they have the luxury of doing so? Probably not. So Connor Rogers is going to join us in about 15 minutes. We'll dive into some NFL talk. Moke Hamilton is always great to have him on each and every Sunday with us at 10 o'clock. We'll talk NBA. you got the Knicks in action later on tonight against the Jazz. And then they stay in town and they take on the Nets on Monday uh, you know, the, the Ben Simmons countdown continues. No, he's dealing with a back issue. How severe is it? I'm hearing it's a lot more serious than what we know, than what we're hearing from somebody inside uh, from the Nets organization. So will we see Ben Simmons play uh, before the postseason begins? I, I can't be sure, but we'll talk to Moke Hamilton. Also, uh, Andy Martino is going to join us. The Yankees making some moves. As we know, they trade Luke Voigt to the Padres. And, uh, you know, sign Rizzo. Rizzo comes back to play first. So we'll get an update from Andy in regards to what's going on with the Yankees. Uh, I'm sure he's got some insight in regards to what's going on with the Mets as well. And then Cynthia Freeland will join us at 11 o'clock. Talk all things NFL as more. <laughs> the, the free agency market is just unbelievable. It's been unbelievable for the past week and a half. So as we know, Deshaun Watson traded to Cleveland. They uh, signed his backup, Jacoby Brissett who I actually like. I think Jacoby Brissett is, is a top 10 backup in the NFL. Robert Woods, because there's a plethora of wide receivers with the Rams, he gets traded to the Titans. Uh, Cordero Patterson re-ups with Atlanta, which I think is, is key. He was a huge part of their offense, especially you play fantasy football. If you were able to pick up Patterson on, uh, on your waiver wire, he did wonderful things for you last season. So he'll continue to operate in that offense. And I'm sure a big reason why they were able to do that is because they missed out on the Deshaun Watson uh, decision, uh, if that's what we want to call it, right? He had a no-trade clause. It came down to, at one point we heard it came down to Atlanta and, uh, and the Saints. And then, of course, in, in the 11th hour, the Cleveland Browns made him the highest-paid football player on the planet. And he decided to go to Cleveland. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. The New York football giants that invested um, their top five pick to draft Daniel Jones. And we heard the owner come out and say, we've done everything to try to screw this young man up. So we're going to give him every opportunity this season to show us what he can do. And no disrespect to Tyrod Taylor. I, I, I like Tyrod Taylor a lot. 
Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting him several times at certain events, whether it was the draft or at, at a Super Bowl or um, whatever the case may be, uh, NFLPA parties. Um, really great guy and, and is going to help Daniel Jones, especially in that quarterback room. But I do not look at this signing with Tyrod Taylor for somebody to come in and compete with, with Daniel Jones to, to win a starting job or, or take over the starting job in week six, unless, of course, Daniel Jones gets injured. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You know, and, and that's and, and that's something that I think we, we need to keep an eye on here because when, when there was all this talk and speculation that the Giants were in the market for Trubisky, I felt because of how cap-strapped the Giants were to spend that kind of money and try to compete with the other teams that were going after Trubisky to bring him here with all the other needs, to me kind of raised a white flag, a red flag, I should say, uh, in regard to Daniel Jones's health pertaining to that neck in the back. So if Daniel Jones can stay healthy, I think this could be a really great situation for him. I like what the Giants have done already, and, and we'll dive into that in the next few minutes as well as Connor Rogers is going to join us. But pertaining to what Keyshawn just had to say, I, I don't look at this as a situation where Tyrod Taylor is coming in to compete with, uh, with Daniel Jones. I, I look at, at the Tyrod Taylor signing as somebody to come in and, God, God forbid, uh, Daniel Jones can't stay healthy. And, and listen, that's another thing that we've seen this season, right, Giants fans? is uh, Not just this season, but, but in, in the last few seasons. And that is Daniel Jones has not been able to prove that he can stay healthy for 16, 17 games. And uh, let's be honest, Tyrod Taylor is a huge upgrade to Mike Lennon. Uh, we saw that firsthand. By the way, this 98.7 ESPN Hoops update brought to you by Cityside Medical, the ED specialist. And just to give you an idea of what's coming your way today at 1210, Houston, Illinois, tip off Ohio State going up against Villanova, Michigan State in Duke. An oldie but a goodie. Again, I think Duke rolls in that matchup. Iowa State against Wisconsin. And uh, man, Johnny Davis has been really uber impressive. Notre Dame going up against Texas Tech at 710. Miami, the Canes, baby. It's a Canes thing you just wouldn't understand. 70, 7.45 p.m. They go up against Auburn. 840 Texas and Purdue and 940 TCU and Arizona. And again, that's your uh, hoops update brought to you by Cityside Medical, the ED specialist. All right. So what have the Giants done so far in free agency? Besides Tyrod Taylor's two years, $11 million contract, they bring him in. I also, I love the Ricky Seals Jones signing. Folks out there might be a little disappointed that Evan Ingram's gone. I'm not (laughs) personally. Uh, just dropped too many balls for my liking. And I I think the ceiling is a lot higher with Ricky Seals-Jones. He's uber-athletic, and I do believe he's coming in as the number one tight end on this roster. Now, the only thing about Ricky Seals-Jones is uh, he he can't block to save his life. So he is strictly a receiving tight end. So what does that mean for the Giants? They don't have a lot of depth here at this position. So I do expect them to 
draft a tight end in this coming year's draft. And, uh, and, and the tight end class is very deep, and it's really good. But they're going to need to go out and get a tight end who's going to be able to come in and, and help on that line with pass protect and, and, and as well as, as run blocking. Uh, I, I like what we saw from Anthony Thomas at, at the end, uh, Andrew Thomas at the end of the season last year. Hopefully he can only build from that. The Giants went out and uh, they added some more offensive line help to this roster. We'll see what happens. I still think that they're in need of a tackle and a guard, which I think they'll address in the draft. They re-up Sterling Shepard. I can give or take with that. Again, we know that uh, we know what he brings to the program, but at the same time, he's not been able to stay healthy for 17 games either. So that's an expectation there. I do believe that the Giants are going to have to uh, address the, the wide receiver position um, in the draft as well. But, but I don't think they will anytime early. I mean, this is a deep wide receiving draft as well. You know, hopefully uh, Galladay and Kadarius Toney will take a step up from last season. It's not, I mean, listen, they were at the bottom of the barrel. I don't know. I, I don't, I, with all due respect, I don't think it could have gotten any worse for them. That's for sure. So, uh, and Saquon Barkley, his health is obviously going to be a big key as well. So, uh, the Giants are in a really, really great situation, let's be honest. Uh, having those two picks at five and seven, uh, just looking at a lot of mock drafts that I've seen so far, uh, a, lot of, a lot of analysts are predicting that the Giants trade the seventh pick. I do believe that there are seven players in this draft that are head and shoulders, bar none, above everyone else. So the Giants are going to be in a great situation. I think what happens is I think they take either an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman with that fifth pick. And then when it comes to the seventh, do they, do they take best player on the board or do they trade down because they do have a lot of needs and how far down do they trade? You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, there's still hope that Ben Simmons could return for a couple regular season games prior to the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, now, uh, he's, uh, he, as we know, he's, he's dealing with a back issue. He's got some irritation with his L4 disc of his lower spine and uh, reports are, is that, uh, he's had to have an epidural. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But to me, that's, that's pretty, <laughs> you need epidural. It's pretty serious. Taking a look at the schedule. As we know, they take on the jazz tomorrow night, not expecting him there. Then they're on the road in Memphis and Miami. Can we expect him to come back those two games? I don't think so. It doesn't sound like it, especially if he just took an epidural. Then they're home against Charlotte, Detroit, and Milwaukee. No Kyrie there. Realistically, Saturday, April 2nd at Atlanta. Because here's the thing. It's one thing for Ben Simmons to come back and play, but you want it to be, if, if, you're, if you want to work on chemistry, obviously you want it to be while Kyrie's playing too. So uh, for him to come back and... Uh, play in Atlanta I you know I think hopefully maybe that's a more realistic date then they're back here on that Tuesday against Houston and then and then um and then in New York against the Knicks which Kyrie can't play so so realistically we're looking at maybe there's only three away games that Kyrie, Ben, and and Katie can play together. And that's Memphis, Miami, and Atlanta. And Memphis and Miami are Wednesday and Saturday of next week. Could Ben come back for those? Who knows? 
I, I think I think there's some some real big concerns here for this Nets team. Uh, before we take a break, and we're going to uh, bring in Andy Martino, who's with SNY, talks some Major League Baseball. The guys, boys of summer, getting ready uh, for spring at spring training, getting ready for the summer to ready for the season to start. Let's go to Rich. Rich, welcome in. Hey, good morning, Nina. How are you, Rich from the company? Hi. Uh, hope you got a good laugh yesterday after the cheeseburger graphic. That was funny. <laughs> um, I know we're changed gears to talk about Knicks, Nets. I was going to bring up the Mets, and if you think Uncle Stevie's got any more big moves left in him before the season starts, I, I mean, I, I'm again, I'm I'm going to have Andy Martino come on, and um, and Rich, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. I will I will tee that question up for him. I love what the Mets have done so far. I love their pitching rotation. Obviously, the biggest concern is you know can Scherzer, can Degrom stay healthy? They haven't been able to do it before, but. Isn't that the scenario for the majority of teams and majority of, of um, rotations in Major League Baseball? I think it is. Obviously, when, when you, you have a, a track record that's a little suspect and concerning, okay, there's that. But I really do like what the Mets have done. By the way, the over-under for Mets' total of winning is 89.5. I've already put money on the over. I do believe that they'll win at least 90 games this season, at least. Again, banking that Scherzer and, and, and DeGrom stay healthy for the majority of the season. So, but uh, I'll be sure to ask Andy Martino if he thinks any more moves are coming down the pipe for uh, for the Mets. That's for sure. And in regard to uh, what, in regard to what he was talking about, um, I guess there is. As we're in the middle of March Madness, uh, we're talking about the bracket challenge. Uh, we're talking about teams winning and advancing. Uh, you've got uh, Dave and Rick who are doing this uh, battle of the ESPN radio hosts, or just ESPN in general, because. Uh, they they labeled me as a 15th seed to go up against uh, Mike Green, uh, Greeny as a two seed. Um, almost beat him. Uh, got 47%. Not bad, uh, considering I'm going up against Greeny. But nonetheless, um, I guess Dave was talking about how I, I stole cheese from uh, from from his that house. That became a big and, thing this week. Yeah. I I don't... I mean... And then you and then you went at Dave on Twitter. You said that he was like a a five year old girl crushing on on someone in, in high uh, crushing on someone in, in daycare something. Because he's no, <laughs> no, because he he I, all week long I was getting why is Dave picking on you? Why is Dave ripping you? Why is Dave doing this? Why da- I I I didn't know what was going on until later on in the week, and uh, and then found out it was about cheese. That's so funny. By the way, I went up against Michael K, and I thought it was going to be uh, a, a bigger blowout, but I was able to corral thirty three percent of the votes in my. There you uh, go. As the sixteen seed. What does that say about Michael K? No, I I just think that um, there there, there was a lot of uh, sympathy voting there, maybe because there was no chance I was going to beat Michael. No chance. <laughs> Symp- sympathy voting. Maybe some sympathy voting. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This is Click, 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 or Don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way. We tour around our wide, wide world of sport here at 1140 a.m., Sorry, on this Sunday morning to find out what is trending and our producers tie and will lead the way. Gentlemen. All right. So you've got frustrated producers here behind the glass because, <laughs> you know, Jeff Passan <laughs> broke the story uh, earlier last hour. Trevor Story and 
the Boston Red Sox are in an agreement on a six-year, $140 million contract. Uh, he says that after looking at multiple structures with multiple teams, Story gets big money from the Red Sox. He's got an opt-out after four years. That is a big bat for the Boston Red Sox. So why are we annoyed? Our question is, do the Yankees still feel the, the same level of pain that they once did after losing? Because a lot of fans were geared up toward this being a, a, a big offseason. When you come off a year where you were so disappointed, as I mentioned earlier, they finished one game better than fourth place in the division. They get to the playoffs and lose in a wild card round. Since Boone has come on board, they've won two playoff series. So now you're expecting that they're going to make some splashes. And the biggest moves they made were, you know, Josh Donaldson, they traded for him. So he's their starting third baseman at 36 years old. And Isaiah Kainer-Falefa is their new shortstop. Uh, he's supposed to be this defensive wizard, not really known for his bat. Uh, and, you know, Carlos Correa is not here. Freddie Freeman is not here. And, and now Trevor Story has gone elsewhere. So the Yankees, as everyone else is getting better, they're making moves. But if the question today is, are the Yankees better than last year? Then it means that the offseason so far has been a failure. Um, a, I, I, I don't know. Jury's still out for me in regard to are the Yankees better than, than last year, right? Because, But see, that's um, the problem, Anita. Uh, just to cut you off real quick. If the jury is still out, then it means it's a failure. Like at this point, they why? How is that a failure? If, they, if I if I'm not if I'm not if I'm not willing to, to to make a statement and say, oh, Yankees are a lot worse this year than they were last year, doesn't mean they're a failure. No, no. Just means that I I need to see more. I need to see more. I need to see. You know, we had Andy Martino on not too long ago. He said that, that this team isn't done. Granted, it's not the big names like Story or Freeman or Correa, but they're not done well, yet. My point is, we shouldn't need to see more. Like coming off of what you had last year, the expectation should have been to significantly improve this roster because not only did you, you didn't just not win a championship last year. You weren't even close. You were not even close. And all year it was so frustrating because it was like, wow, the talent seems to be there, but the team just isn't sound defensively. They make base running mistakes. And then, by the way, someone pointed this out to me on Twitter, which I would love to hear your thoughts on as well because I know you're a big Yankee fan too. Like the Yankees endured a season last year that was so frustrating despite having judge and Stanton in the lineup for most of the season like that typically you come in and those are like question marks like you know these guys are always injured they they played a lot of games last year and for you to still fall that short of expectation I mean when that regression comes like are they going to be injury plague this year so it's not that I'm criticizing you. I'm just saying, like, if we're still wondering today, are the Yankees better than they were last year? I think that's a failure in itself because they should be better than they were last year. And here's the thing. Like, you hit the nail on the head, Ty, when you said the biggest problem last year, you know, for the Yankees was base running mistakes, errors. They feel like they addressed some of those moves by bringing in a guy like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who's a, who's a defensive wizard. Donaldson, who's better than Gio Urshela, both at the plate and defensively. So, And the Yankees are, are I don't want to say tearing it down, but they needed new people in that clubhouse you know they had they tried the Sanchez experiment before the Urshela experiment before and Urshela has been great but now the Yankees are going in there with a semi-new team right Donaldson at third you'll have Isaiah kind of uh, at short you'll have Ben Rortvid at catcher um, whether it's Labor Torres or, or DJ at second you have you know Rizzo at first so they're a lot better defensively which is a lot of where those errors took place last year but they're relying on bounce back seasons from Joey Gallo from Labor Torres 
from DJ LeMay, who granted he had a, a um, sports hernia for most of the year. But you're relying on a lot of those guys to have seasons that they did back in the past, and that's a lot to ask. And that's a lot to put on the shoulders of Gleyber Torres, who's now going back to a new position for the second time in, in the past three seasons. So going off Ty's point, they may be marginally better, but they're not better than the Rays. They're semi-even uh, with, you know, with the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays just blew them out of the water. Um, I still think they're going to win 90-plus games, but can they win the last game of the year, which is the World Series? That remains to be seen. Um, again, uh, jury's still out for me. Here, here's, here's a bigger question as well, guys, because I felt, I felt last year um, Booney got really just, just got beaten down as, you know, he shouldn't come back. He needs to get fired. They, they need a new manager. And, and I, not that I was defending him, but I felt like, listen, was he partially to blame as to why the Yankees didn't perform well in some instances, in some games? Did he make the wrong decisions? Yes. But a, what was he working with in regard to the lineup that, that Cashman created or lack thereof for him? Number one. And number two, again, as, as I had the conversation with Andy earlier, you know, everything that's been reported to us is that is that this is this is an organization that relies heavily on analytics especially at the manager position uh hearing what the analytics are telling him to do in game so you know i'm i'm just also what i'm curious about is is as the season starts and let's say you know hypothetically speaking and and i hope this doesn't happen but the yankees start to 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 struggle you know how much how much more is the blame going to go on on booney and unrightfully so. If we're sitting here, we're talking about an organization and a front office that's not doing any justice. At the end of the day, are we putting too much pressure on Booney to make chicken salad out of chicken poop? And 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 not to say that the Yankees are chicken poop by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but in in context to what the expectation was for this offseason and in free agency and where they're falling short. And here's the thing, too, is... You can put the blame on Aaron Boone all you want, but a lot of the decisions that are being made are coming directly from the analytics department upstairs. Like the lineup having Anthony Rizzo bat leadoff could be coming from Boone, but majority of the time it's coming from the analytics department. But Boone just signed like another three-year deal uh, extension, so he's not going to get fired this year. Um, Cashman said he wants Boone to go 10 years like Joe Girardi did. Uh how you could do that and not win a World Series in 10 years um, is mind-boggling to me. But I think it's time that the Yankees needed a, a some new faces in that clubhouse. And I think it's telling something that the Yankees are not going to bring back Brett Gardner. He's still unsigned. And I think he's unsigned for a reason, that they're just tired of the stale narratives in that clubhouse. And now they bring in a guy who's like Gardner emotionally in Josh Donaldson. So they're bringing in people who could change that club so turn it upside down if you if you remember back in 2009 when they signed Sabathia Brian Cashman told Sabathia go in there and turn that locker room around and he did and he won a World Series and the Yankees are trying to have Donald to do the same thing of what he brings to the table his feistiness his competitiveness he's very aggressive we all know what he said to Garrett Cole last year when he was part of the uh, Minnesota Twins so they're trying to change that narrative and that feel in the clubhouse and I'm, it's, I'm very interested to see where this goes and I'm in the minority I think they're going to have a good season this year but I don't know if it moves the needle for me to say that they're going to win the World Series I certainly hope so but I don't know if they have enough what else is trending, gentlemen? One more thing? All right. Um, 
news right up your alley. Did you see yesterday? The Rams have extended Matt Stafford at $160 million extension, and the Titans uh, received Robert Woods via a trade from the Rams in exchange for a 2023 six-round pick. So the NFL you know, free agency period, has just been nuts, Anita. You look at the landscape of the AFC. I, I just saw Warren Sharp uh, put this tweet up about um, like the teams, the amount of years since this team's last playoff appearances, and he went through some of the AFC teams. The longest drought right now belongs to the New York Jets, 12 years without making the playoffs. And then I've got to look at the quarterbacks in this conference with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Joe Barrow and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. And the list just goes on and on and on. Uh, Justin Herbert. So as a Jet fan, you know, the free agency period and, and the y'all season has been exciting. But just as a Jet fan, looking at it, it, it just brings you so much misery because not only do you have to overcome yourself, you know, becoming a functional organization, You've got a lot of teams you got to jump ahead of. A lot of teams. You, and, and the AFC has become so, so competitive. By the way, that Robert Woods going to the Tennessee Titans, I really like that a lot. You align him with A.J. Brown. You've got Derrick Henry in that backfield. Austin Hooper as well at the tight end. Watch out for the Tennessee Titans coming out of that division. There we go. Well, 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 welcome to the party. Cynthia Friedland joins us from the NFL Network, her walk-up song. What's up, girl? How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. Um, that was funny. <laughs> March Madness in action. Do you do you do the brackets? By the way, I do. I have like four brackets right now. And other than Kentucky, I'm in decent shape. Other than that Kentucky debacle. Really? Were you a little nervous last night with Gonzaga going up against Memphis? I was a little more nervous with the Carolina and Baylor game going into overtime. That one was pretty gnarly, but I, for whatever reason, I, I didn't, because Baylor lost a guard not that long before the tournament started. So I was like, yeah, maybe Carolina pulls this one off. So that was my like weird upset because, you know, you got to game the people you're playing with. Right. And so I knew my people were more Baylor fans than Carolina fans. So that was my upset. All right, Cynthia, let's dive into uh, free agency and, and all that's t- been taking place this week in the NFL and probably none bigger than Deshaun Watson being traded to the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland giving up three first round draft picks. I want to say what a second or third or third and fourth, something like that. And then uh, which is mm-hmm. even more uh, insane is that now uh, he's the highest paid NFL player uh, head and shoulders, even above Aaron Rodgers. Now, prior to him uh, waving his no trade clause and going to Cleveland, it was being reported that his two teams were the Saints and Atlanta. What can you tell us? What happened? I think that the guarantee coming up over the top at the last minute, you know, fully guaranteed contract, and then the structure. The structure, which is we're, we're, we're reporting it as a fact, right? Like next year it's structured such that even if he gets um, in any, any sort of punishment or he misses any games, he doesn't lose any money from his contract. So I think between the guarantees and the structures, I think that that deal made the most sense for him as a businessman. So now he goes there. Uh, they do sign Jacoby Brissett to back him up. He's got a plethora of running backs to work with. Solid talent. I'm also I'm hearing that now that he's in Cleveland, there's a chance um, that uh, 
the wide receiver. Why am I drawing a blank right now uh, for Cleveland, who was a free agent? Amari um, Cooper? Jarvis Landry. Oh, I'm hearing Jarvis, that Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry might Landry. return. Are, are you hearing that as well? You know, I think that because Jarvis Landry remains to be signed, I think that, you know, I, if I was his agent, I would be putting that stuff out there. Too. Like, right, you, like, I don't believe, like, more than 10% of what comes out publicly. I, I, I think it's it's pretty funny, especially with this, like, wave of free agency that was really waiting for Deshaun to sign, right? Like, I had heard rumors that Teron Armstead would not, like, he was waiting the best tackle available because he thought that if the, if the Saints got him, then he would then return to the Saints, but now he wants to look elsewhere, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's this big Jenga piece, and that was Deshaun Watson. And so any smart agent would put out that they want to go to Bra- the, the Browns too. Uh, so just taking a look at, at that AFC North, I know you and I were, were big on Trubisky. He goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do like that signing. And I think that uh, – I think uh, would you say that the AFC North is going to be arguably between the AFC North and the AFC West, which division do you think will be the most competitive this coming season? I don't even think it's close. I think the West is the hardest division in football, and I think they're all ridiculous for all playing in one division because if anyone went to the, like, like go to, stay in the North, what are you doing? So, especially with Devontae Adams leaving, but whatever. Um, you know, I think it's going to go AFC West by far. NFC West is a little sneaky, but the, the Seahawks are really drawing that one down. So, second AFC North. So, West by like a mile, and the North second AFC North. Oh, yeah, with Denver getting Russell Wilson, you know what you get with Kansas City, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders and the Chargers. You've got to love, out of all the teams and what they've done so far in, in this free agency period, uh, to me, probably so impressed with the Chargers. They are win now. Yeah. They're in a win now mentality, re-signing Mike Williams, and then just bringing a plethora of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what, what team has impressed you the most this free agency? With you on the Chargers, although I kind of feel bad for them because they spent all this money, they went out there, they made all these moves, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, these other teams in their division just come over the top and dunk on them with <laughs> with these monstrous moves as well to just make it even harder. So it's just, I don't know, I thought that was pretty funny, but Chargers, their strategy seems to be the one that makes the most sense, especially because they do have Justin Herbert on his rookie contract still. So I think that they're probably the one that at least so far has gotten the best um, and but I like what the Steelers are doing. I thought the Steelers have made a bunch of savvy moves, and I also think that Loki, the Falcons, they got bet the best in you know obviously other than Tom Brady returning to the Bucks. But of those other teams that were rumored to be in the Deshaun Watson lottery, like what's their fallback plan? Matt Ryan? Oh, okay, that seems to be like a pretty good situation. And I like the fact that they're bringing Patterson, uh, Cordell Patterson, back. He was such a big key to yes. their offense last year. I'm telling people, love don't sleep on Hayward signing. Russell, yeah. they, got a lot of, they got a lot of things. Like, Russell Gage going to the Bucks is also a low-key good one, too. I think the Bucks win the Super Bowl this year, though, just based on right now. Because no one's on the, the AFC is going to beat each other up. So Bucks, Interesting. Bucks Bills, calling it, calling it um, March 20th. Because obviously... Yeah, you are. This is, this is really early. <laughs> All right, before we... Before we let you go, I just want to do a tour around the NFL, and, and there's some, some teams out there with still some question marks at the quarterback position. Curious to get your take. AFC East set. AFC North set. AFC South Colts. Who goes there? You know, I think there's a lot of people. I've been hearing that people are checking out Jimmy G's shoulder. I don't know if I think that there's like, that, you know, there's some there's some chips that are still yet to fall. Matt Ryan got a new, hired a new agent. So that's interesting. By the way, same agent as Deshaun Watson. Interesting. I think that's going to be, a, like, is he going to be, you know, is Matt Ryan mad at them? And he going to want to leave or demand more money? Is it a leverage play? 
super interesting stuff there. So Matt Ryan could end up there, but I think, you know, right now I still think it's Jimmy G leader in the clubhouse for that one. So uh, in the NFC South, a lot of question marks, right? Saints, a lot of people anticipating Jameis Winston. What does Carolina now do now that they lost out on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? Bake, bake. Bake, bake for them is what I think. I think Baker, I don't know, it feels like a nice home for Baker Mayfield because, you know, Matt Matt Rule could handle that personality. Remember, like they, you know, they obviously, you know, college coaches, a more college-minded guy. I think that could be an interesting fit. Seattle. That's the one I don't know. That one I, tr- ever since, you know, you know, John Schneider gave that very dramatic presser at the combine where he was weeping, uh, that one makes me very confused because I don't think it'll be Jimmy G. I don't think, you know, that that's just not going to happen, right? But then, I don't know. I don't know if I see a cross-country move for Matt Ryan. I don't, I don't know about That's the one where I'm very confused. I try to put the pieces together of whose agents, who has the same agents, and where does, how does the money work. But Seattle's not in, a great shape, and not in great shape money-wise. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I had Connor Rogers on earlier today. We were talking about the draft. I want to get your, you're, you're just as big into the draft as, as I am and, and Connor is as well. Um, I, I was speaking to uh, a few scouts uh, who were at the combine. What I'm hearing is that Jacksonville wants to trade that number one pick to Detroit and Detroit likes Thibodeau over Hutchinson because everybody, number of scouts out there, number of teams concerned about the, uh, the length and lack thereof of the arms of Hutchinson. Uh, what are you hearing? What do you anticipate? Who do you, what, what team do you think goes number one, selects number one, and, and who would that player be? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, those are both two teams that have been very confounding in free agency. The Lions actually made some smart moves, but they've got a lot of moves to make. Jacksonville's just been spending, spending, spending. I hope, and and this is, you know, if, they, if the Lions do trade up, just take Evan Neal. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I don't know if I think Thibodeau is awesome either. I spoke to a bunch of scouts at the Combine, and the, the it's not no one's Chase Young. You know, no one is, um, you know, pre-canned out of the box. No one's even Aaron Donald, who, by the way, at this time of the draft, nobody believed in, right? A lot of people went ahead of him in his draft class. So when I look at this, I, I hope the Lions don't trade. I'm a Lions fan. I grew up there. Like, that's my – please don't trade away number two. Not for the amount of the amount of equity it gets from two to one is ridiculous. Please don't do it, Lions. Like, I hope none of that's right. <laughs> I hope it's all just lies. We'll see. It's, it's going to be an interesting draft. A lot of really, really good talent and a lot of depth. So, I mean, you know, teams are going to get some really good players even into, like, the, the fourth and fifth round. That's for sure. I Cynthia, always great. Late round draft. Go ahead. Late round draft. For, this is a, like, I think the, the yep. first one are confusing, but I think this draft has a bunch of depth and a bunch of fits. So if you want a good wide receiver, great. You can find whatever flavor you like. If you want some a pass rusher, but not necessarily like the guy who's a world beater, that's what this draft has. A lot of depth and interesting. I love this tight end class. There's a bunch of tight ends who will go mm-hmm. day three that are going to be like the next Mark Andrews you'll see. I'm with you. Totally in agreement. Cynthia Freeland, you can see her all over the NFL Network. And thank you for spending some time with us on this uh, this Sunday morning. Really do appreciate you, my friend. Bye-bye. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.